Hey, my friends, if you're looking for a faster, better way to grow and scale your landscape business, you likely don't need to join just another free Facebook group or watch another YouTube video. What you need is a proven, cohesive growth strategy for your business, along with the one-on-one coaching or group coaching and accountability to support you every step of the way. And that's exactly what the Million Dollar Academy delivers to you. The Million Dollar Academy is coaching, tools, accountability, and done-free resources for landscapers who want to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing towards a profitable multiple six, even seven-figure-plus business without all the stress and all the hours of agonizing. How do I get everything done? Or am I doing this right? Or what do I need to focus on next? The Million Dollar Academy is about thinking differently and thinking bigger about how to be a successful business owner. It's about more than just being good at landscaping. It's about how to create more profit and how to scale all while relieving some of the pressure on yourself. We do have group and one-on-one coaching spots available. So if you want to go learn more, head over to milliondollarlandscaper.com forward slash academy and get in there today. Welcome back, everybody. Now, before we dive into today's podcast, I want to let you know that this episode, we actually had to break it up in two different sections. We had an amazing conversation with Sendin Byrich of Sendin Bookkeeping, and it actually went on a little bit longer than what we originally anticipated, but it's an amazing episode, and we decided to break it up in two different halves. So we'll have this week's first half, then come back next week, and we'll resume our conversation. Now, this episode is an amazing episode because we dive into some of the things that you need to talk to your CPA about. And letting you know not to be afraid to talk to your CPA about certain things. If you're not sure why you're not making money or what is going on or what happens if I do this or what happens if I do that, not to be embarrassed, not to be unsure of yourself. So that's what they're there for. They are the professionals. So we get to have an amazing conversation. So stick around. We'll see you for this week and next week. If you've ever struggled the daily grind of making and keeping track of work orders, you have to check out EasyBeasy. EasyBeasy is easy to use, easy to learn, affordable work order and time clock app with unlimited users included with every subscription. Make and edit work orders anytime, anywhere you're working, at your desk, in your truck, on the job site, even on your couch. With EasyBeasy, you can easily copy work orders to use over and over, which is great for mowing and plowing. You can also keep track of employee timesheets, contact your customers, add notes, instructions, even pictures of your jobs. EasyBeasy works on Android and Apple devices or any tablet or computer. EasyBeasy also has a wide variety of reports so you can have all the info you need for billing right from your phone. Say goodbye to paying for extra users because everyone gets unlimited users on EasyBeasy. Try EasyBeasy for free for 30 days. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up. EasyBeasy is a simple work order and time clock app for mow crews, hardscape crews, and everything in between. Start saving time and money with EasyBeasy. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up today. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. 
Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to the Millionaire Landscare Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring on a special guest. His name is Sendin Byrich. He is of Sendin Bookkeeping, and I'm just excited to bring him on because he has an amazing story of why he started getting into the accounting industry, but he is also of a numbers mind. He loves looking at financial reports and reviewing them, and today we are going to dive into accounting, accounting systems, and the, what some people consider a dirty word is profit. We're going to talk about why it is not a dirty word and why you need it. So, Welcome, Sendin. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much, Scott, for the kind words and really great introduction. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad we were able to find some time to set everything aside that's going on in our worlds and everything like that. Just to sit down and talk to everyone just about an important, important topic. So Yeah, it, it is. It is. And like I said, it, unfortunately, I think a lot of people feel it is. It's a topic some people don't want to talk about because they're not familiar with it or they're just don't think it's important to have the profit or I'm not, I'm not sure. So we're going to try to dive into that and try to solve the world's mystery here. So Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you know, it's empathy towards that accounting, that accounting is just such a complex topic in and of itself. I mean, there's a reason why there's so many books just reiterated and written um, about the same topic over and over again, because number one, people learn differently in different modes. You could say it one way one day and it won't ring true to them, but then you just a spin of the words. It's like, oh, okay, got it. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think the more times we reiterate it, the different ways we convey the information, I think it's just eventually going to ring true. And at the end of the day, man, people got into the business for landscaping and the, and the love of doing that, you know, a beautiful design work, everything that comes with that. And the business side of things is just, you know, it's either learned along the way. And so we'll be educators today. So I love it. I love it. So Sunday, before we get started, do you mind uh, sharing a little bit of, of your backstory, how you got started? I think it's a great little story. Yeah. So originally I am uh, not born from the U.S. Uh, I was born in a small South Eastern European country called Bosnia-Herzegovina. There was a war in the 90s, forced my family to flee. I was just a baby. We went out to Germany and then made our way to St. Louis, Missouri. It was actually where we ended up. I was raised here my entire life and went got an education that was sort of the immigrant mindset from parents is that we don't care what you do, <laughs> just whatever you do, go to college. And so uh, went off to college, not really knowing I mean, who I was, what I was going to do. I was like bouncing off the walls of majors and things like that. I knew I was smart, but just didn't know where to apply myself. Ended up in actually the science world. I was a chemist by trade. As soon as I got out of college, though, and got into the workforce, I quickly learned that it was just not the path for me. I needed something that was dynamic in sort of the day-to-day -day work life, you know, how it goes. It was critical thinking, it was problem solving, something that challenged me on a regular basis. And all alongside this, you know, parents just coming to the United States, you know, with nothing and just building up their life here. Retirement is the last thing for them. Number one thing was, all right, can we just make enough to raise this kid 
and then we can have enough. And that was it, you know? And so my number one mission is to retire them at some point, hopefully sooner than later, <laughs> where they can enjoy it, really just take a load off. And so for me, I saw business as an avenue to, for that. I think this is a great point to bring up is like, when you, we talk about the United States, I think it's so important to realize that this country is like sought after by the entire rest of the world. It is still viewed as this destination place that you could be anything and become anything and really make something of yourself, no matter what education you're starting out with, no matter what skill set you're starting out with. And so business is, is really an avenue for that. So knew I wanted to get into business. Chemistry was so much money up front to get started. The equipment, the machinery, you know, just it's usually manufacturing based. I had no business education and at that time. And so we just read. I, I was always a learner. I loved reading and still do. Just came upon the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Very popular. And there's a page in that book where he it's it's a sentence where he just says he's like a critical skill to succeed in business or investing is accounting, but specifically it's the ability to interpret and analyze financial statements. And I don't know, it was like, I heard this quote where they say, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. And I think if I, I read that sentence, any other moment in my life, it would not have had the same effect for me. But with all these things that I've already mentioned, they were all swirling in my head. And reading that, I was like, to me, that was the answer. It was the clear answer. It's like, okay, this is how I'm going to get started in business. So to put a long story short, I set out on a mission to operate either one business or multiple with the goal of retiring parents. And I saw business as an avenue for that. And in order to be successful at it, I just, I trusted 100% without a doubt in the words of that book. And I just said, you know what? It's, it's accounting. Accounting is the answer. If I can figure this out, I got it, you know, which is not, not the whole story. You know? <laughs> so business is incredibly complex. It's incredibly complex, but it, it was going to be a solid piece of the puzzle. And so I started the business Coming on three years ago now, I always have to think back and be like, oh yeah, time is continuing. <laughs> um, yeah. So three years ago now, and um, you know, we hit the ground running. I think as with any startup business owner, you really just bootstrap it, knock on doors, pass out business cards, call people, meet with people, show up to events, and little by little, just grew relationships with CPAs and accountants. I even skipped the step of learned all the accounting information ahead of time. I went through a program for that. And so now the business is at three years. We have two employees, a couple subcontractors and a decent client base. You know, we're definitely at a stage of scaling. It's a challenge for me as a business owner. Scaling is just a whole different animal. It's one thing to operate a business as a sole operator. Totally different story when you start adding people into the mix. Mm -hmm. But I ended up deciding to niche. I came from a business coaching. I still am part of a business coaching program, big proponent of that. And they advise, they're like, you know, you as an accountant, you should seriously consider niching in either one service or an industry. And so for me, I was juggling with that for a long time. I was like, where do I go with this? And I think, you know, and we're familiar with the pumpkin plan. It's essentially a book on how to niche. But to make that decision that you're going to say no to 95% of the market and only say yes to this percent, that's a scary mentality to have that shift. But again, I think so much of business is 
the answers are usually around you. You've either heard it from somebody, you've read it in a book, the answers are there. It's just the execution of it. The emotions are hard around that. Do you have the guts to just do it? I'm going to do it, you know, see if it works. And I made that decision. I chose the green industry uh, just based off client experience, had the most experience in that industry and just started consuming information, learning everything there is to know about landscapers, estimating for them, what profits can we expect and things like that. And that's where we are today. I love it. It goes back to how you mentioned how you started bootstrapping and starting getting out there to everybody. And I think a lot of landscapers can relate to it. They do the same thing when we start off. You're reaching out to friends and family and churches or whatever groups you belong to and just letting everybody know what's going on. For most people, they start doing a little bit of every type of service. And then they start, what I seems to be is starts to niche down inside the landscaping industry. You start focusing on one or two main tasks. So it's, it's the same thing that you experience in just your accounting system. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think I think it's like when you meet another business owner, you're like, Oh man, you made it too. You know, it's like, man, I can't believe we made it. You know, you just yeah. have this like bond at that moment because, yeah, it is tough. It's not easy. And I think it's just so important that we all have uh, grace for ourselves. You know, it's like how well we go about our marketing, for example, as one example in business, how well we go about our marketing now is going to be just way different if we can stay at it, keep at it a year from now. You know, we're going to just continue to improve. And the longer we can stay in it, the better off we'll be. Just the most important part, I think, for everyone involved is just don't quit. Stick with it. Well, I guess that kind of leads into the next topic. We really wanted to start talking about accounting and bookkeeping for landscapers because I think it's something that many landscapers don't really understand that side of things. And some people are just scared of it. They don't really want to get into the knowing their numbers. I think it's too complicated. But it it is one of those essential components that we need to do as landscapers and landscape business owners is to understand that side of things. Now, you may start off slow and start reading and start watching YouTube videos, joining programs, whatever it is. You need to really take the time and energy to start learning some of these accountings and accounting softwares. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I think it's an inevitable skill that you're going to have to acquire Mm -hmm. as a landscaping business owner. If you can really just get comfortable with it. And you know, like the first few go arounds, however way you go about it, when you listen to a podcast or you watch a YouTube video about job costing and you're like, what does this even mean? You know, you're just having that type of reaction. That's going to be day one. No, that's going to be day one. But over time, these terms, these words will become familiar with you. And then hopefully today, you know, we'll, we'll really touch on the value of them. Because again, that sentence in that book, it was just not a sentence. I had a meeting with a business banker. This was in my first year and a half in business, just a networking call. And, and he just said something that just rang kind of true to me where he said, he's like, you know, most of the top CEOs and like business managers, they usually have a background in finance or in accounting. And so if that doesn't tell you how, how crucial this is, I mean, it really will. And so, but I think it's important at the end of the day, yes, it's complex, but it's, it's doable. It's doable. It is. And when I see a lot of people do it, I can include myself, my father, you know, when I was younger, we wanted to learn everything about the trades. You know, I, I spent so much time and energy learning about water features. That's something I had passion for. I, I read everything, looked up everything, but I didn't really understand the accounting side of things. And mm-hmm. I can, I remember the first time we had a, a consultant come in and they started talking about all these terms and things. I've said this story multiple times, but I'm like, it was like talking to me in another language. And I'm like, 
yeah, I just nodded in my head and saying, yeah, I understood. I didn't understand. I'm, I remember my wife, Katie, is next to me. And afterwards, like, did you understand that? She's like, no, I was hoping you understood. I'm like, ah. <laughs> okay, so, so then we started, okay, well, we have to learn this stuff. And what I see is a lot of times when people, if they wait to the last moment when things are like not looking so well or things are going down in their business and they're like, oh, I, I need to do something. I need to learn this. I need to learn how to estimate better. I need to learn my numbers. And it isn't really to they get to the critical point there in their business and their life. They're like, I have to learn this. And I would encourage you to not wait to that point to start learning this stuff early on in your business. And it'll make it much easier for you later on. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think here's why just even me doing my bookkeeping and accounting work for clients, the symptoms that I see when things are typically going wrong and there's a cancer in the business financial statements is... The business definitely has loans out, right? That it has to repay. But the thing about it is, as you go through each month and each year in business, the cash in the bank just never seems to be enough. And the loans, it, it becomes like credit card roulette. It's like, where, where, can we, where can we charge this? You know. And I think that's a key symptom that if we're in that scenario, okay, something is definitely wrong. This is not how business needs to be. And so business could easily be cash in the bank is continuously increasing. There's enough to pay any loans that we have out on equipment and vehicles. There's enough to save money for when we have to purchase those vehicles again or purchase a new set of equipment again in the future. And there's enough for you as the owner to withdraw from the business for your personal life, You know, however much you need for that. If we can do all those things, that's ideal business scenario. That's a healthy, prosperous business, and that's possible. So I think that's important to mention is that that this is what's possible. It doesn't have to be this way, you know? And that brings a good point is people sometimes get stuck in the mindset of that's just the way this industry is. You just don't make that much money and, and you're just going to be struggling. No, it doesn't have to be that way. You are technically the reason it's causing it to become that way. And it, not saying it's necessarily a fault of yours, but you have to take actions and steps to improve that and figure out how to overcome that and what you can do. Because it, it is possible. I can tell you for 100% fact, it is possible. We've done it. So, <laughs> You know what's crazy about you saying that? I mean, I, obviously, you, the way you said it, you're like, yeah, this is, this is what people say is that this is just the way the industry is. I've even heard that. You know, <laughs> me, an outsider coming into the industry. And I think that, that speaks to how pervasive it is because, I mean, Scott, you've been in the industry way longer than I have. So you're, you're well aware that this is something that's commonly talked about. Mm -hmm. Me coming in with only, you know, uh, what, when I niched, it was a year and a half now. And I've already heard the, the, the sayings. So yeah, it is not that way. It, yeah. it, is, it is not that way. Extreme ownership. I, I love bringing <laughs> that topic up. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it, it is a sad fact that that's what people say in this industry. And I, that's why, you know, it's our mission in, in our Million Dollar Landscaper program is to really drive home the fact that you have to understand your numbers. That's like our big topic for the 2023 is just understanding your numbers, understanding what it goes into running your business and learning how to put that into an estimating system so you can make a profit because I know you can. And it's just to me, it's a lot of it, just a lack of education lack of knowledge on their part and not downplaying anybody. It's just, we've never been taught. And, you know, the landscape industry is pretty easy to get into for the most part. And you go grab a mower, you can go buy, you know, a small piece of machinery and start putting up walls, start mowing, and it's easy to get into. And you get stuck in this cycle of just, I have to do this. I have to do work. That's how I'm going to make more money. That's not always the case. You know, you're so right that like the business owner is not alone. Mm -hmm. 
whoever is listening, like, remember that you are not alone. The job of an accountant is twofold. Number one, it is to present this data, this financial data into something that's visual, something that's organized. That's step number one for an accountant. But there's, there's sort of like a hidden responsibility number two for accountants, which is it is their job to convey this information, to communicate what this, these numbers mean to you in a way that you can understand. Mm-hmm. If an accountant is not doing that, they're doing half their job. And I think, you know, speaking about the accounting industry, there are accountants out there that will take the time to understand your business, understand your business model. How do things move? Where is the cash coming in? Where is the cash going out? You have to pay them to do that, (laughs) of course, but they will communicate this information. And at the end of the day, you as the business consultant, me as the accountant, like we are educators. Like when you peel back all the layers, that's really what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just important for everyone to understand is that you're not alone. And, you know, we can talk about how to have that conversation, you know, with the accountant and everything. No, I, I agree. And that many people just use the accountants just to do their taxes. That's all they use them for. We did that for many years in our business. And it wasn't really until I started getting into other groups and, and joining other landscape business owners and, and networking groups and learning like, no, your accountant should be helping you figure this out or helping you do this or understand this. And I remember going to like one of the first meetings I went with my dad and my mom to uh, to talk to the accountant. And I started asking questions and they just like gave me some vague answers. And it like really made me realize like our accountant was not not the educator. He was just the tax guy. And like that's not what we were paying you for. You know, we paid thousands of dollars a year to have you help us. And I'm asking for a little bit of your time and you weren't doing it. And it made us start looking for another accountant because that's not what I wanted from an accountant. And it is possible to have your accountant help you with other things. So just keep that in mind when you think just my accountant's a tax person. They're not just a tax person. Yeah. A good one, I should say. <laughs> 100%. You know, and, you know, there, there's different accountants out there. You know, there, right. there you do have your tax accountant. Yes. Who, man, all they do on a day-to-day basis <laughs> is, is read that giant tax law book, you know, <laughs> for rightly so. You want them, that's where you want their time to be spent. You want them to be that expert for long-term wealth strategy and things like that. But there's this other uh, sphere of accounting that's known as management accounting. And that's my passion, right? That's where my mission lies is management accounting is accounting that is designed to manage the business by the numbers. And usually these management accountants are the ones that can communicate these things to you. There are accounts that can do both, right? But then you have your your specialists. Nice. Well, I kind of want to go back to, you mentioned earlier about the purpose of a good account is to be able to help you analyze the data. And in order to analyze the data, we have to be able to collect that and put that information into either most people are using some kind of accounting software nowadays, or I mean, you can still do the old school books and stuff, but most people are using some kind of accounting software. And I want to kind of touch on that a little bit today, because I think there's some misinformation out there because there's tons of different softwares out there that they just stick to a certain software and I'm just throwing out a name, I'm not trying to badmouth anybody, please. It, yeah. They all have their perks, but like something like Jobber, you still need accounting software on the back end. Is that correct? That is correct. At the end of the day, what Jobber does really well is operations. What accounting software does really well is accounting. The way I was taught is when you're building your tech stack for your business is don't really lean towards the all-in-one solutions. 
because they may have one great benefit in one area, which Jobber does a great job on the invoicing side. It looks very intuitive. It's clean. It's mm -hmm. organized. I mean, you got scheduling in there, but when it comes to, can it produce a set of financial reports that an accountant can use to really dig in and tell you, is business doing well or is business not and why? Operation softwares cannot do that. And yes. these are key questions. What accounting software does is it does exactly that. Its number one purpose is to produce reports that can be used to make decisions for me as the management accountant. The other purpose is to produce reports that can be used for taxes, right? Yeah. yeah. But when we really think about driving the business in a healthy path, it's we want to make decisions based off these numbers. So that's the purpose of accounting, actually. That's what, what accounting was designed to do. It really was not invented just to, you know, satisfy the IRS. And they were like, man, how can, how can we make this, you know, as complex as possible? You know, there wasn't some evil mastermind behind everything. It was like, ooh, we'll, we'll, we'll create this subject of accounting. It'll, it'll mess everyone up, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's like the purpose was like, consider the stock market. You have all these businesses, all these companies that people need to make a decision on which one we want to own. What accounting was designed to do is standardize the reports that each business presents about themselves so that you can look at a business from that industry and an industry way on the other spectrum from one another, totally different industries, different sizes. And you can look at both financial statements and because accounting is designed this way, you can make a decision to say, I'd rather own this business because it's way better than business A. You know, so that's the purpose of accounting. The software, all that the software does is it saves you time in producing those sets of reports, but it also ensures that they are accurate reports. Mm -hmm. That's what the software is there to do. That's a very good point. Like you said, it's there's two different, like you said, tech stacks where you have your accounting software and you have whatever software for scheduling and routing and, and invoicing and stuff like that. It's something that you really need to take a look at because I, after talking to many people and seeing things posted in our Facebook group, people talk about using just like Jobber and Loan or using Yardbooks or Loan. And that's not the best way. And, and there's many different types of software out there for accounting. And I wonder if you can touch a little bit about those different types of software that you see out there for accounting purposes. Yeah. So I think the main one that I can touch on is the QuickBooks products. Uh, QuickBooks is by and large the head honcho in the accounting space in terms of software. But there are two forms that they have that are very popular in and of themselves is the online version and the desktop version. I want to talk about uh, pros and cons and just give like little seeds of advice in sort of making these decisions. The desktop software, it's a software, it's like a file that gets saved on one computer, right? So it's in your office, it's in your basement, wherever you're operating from, it gets saved on your computer. It can only be accessed from that one computer. The way you can give access to others in a remote way is you have to have an IT person come and install another software where then your accountant can have access to it, for example. If you were to do that, you still run into some issues where only one of you can access the software at one time, right? So, I mean, imagine a business is scaling and you have not only you in the software looking at numbers, 
but you also have team members that you've delegated invoicing work for, for example, or the bookkeeping work. And then you have your tax account trying to come in and, and prep things and take a look at what's the sales tax liability or whatever it is. All of a sudden you have all these people that need to interact with it, but they can't because it's on the desktop software, right? So all in all, it has a likelihood to reduce efficiency and workflow. It does what it needs to do at the end of the day. But in my opinion, it's not great for scaling with your business. I think when we make these decisions on a tech stack, we have to be cognizant of how is our business going to scale? Like if we expect growth, will our software, will our systems that we put into place, if we commit to a software, will it scale with us? Can it grow with us? Because ideally, the bigger we grow, the harder it is to change these systems. Oh my God. It's like you... you you get nauseous thinking about it. It's like, oh crap, you know, I, I got to change everything up again. You know, the other product they have is QuickBooks Online, which is newer from desktop. They started with desktop, then they transitioned to online, and they've been transitioning to online. And it seems like the company as a whole into it, which makes the software they like it because they're pushing people towards it. But it's a software that's accessed through an online login. All the data is stored on the cloud, and so you can access it on any computer. What I love is it can integrate easily with other softwares. So you consider you want to play to the strengths of each software. Hence, you don't want it all in one solution. In the same way that you, you want to play the, to the strengths of your crew members. It's like you don't want, you'll have a generalist in the beginning, but eventually some people are just good at some certain things. And you want to play to their strengths. Same thing with the software. QuickBooks Online can integrate easily with others. So if you have an operations software like Jobber, it integrates. And then it's also very easy to grant people access. You know, you got no matter no matter how many team members you got, it's very straightforward to get everyone access. And the best part, everyone can work on it at the same time. And you know, me, my company provides the service of bookkeeping and then that financial report analysis. We can access it at any time. It's super easy to, you know, invite a CFO or your tax accountant or anybody like that into it. So that would be my preference there in terms of those two QuickBooks products. And then I'll just mention one other is uh, Zero, which is X-E-R-O, also popular within the accounting industry as a competitor to QuickBooks Online. Also, it's online. You know, they don't have as much integrations. It's not as standard of a software, you know, uh, compared to QuickBooks Online, but it's cheaper. I, so it's some, something to weigh in. It, it still produces reports like that that I need, you know, to, to take a look at. Uh, I can still compute my ratios based off reports from zero. It does not falter in its accounting capability, but it's just, I do, I do prefer QuickBooks Online. It, it is robust. It is great accounting software. There's many others. I'm just most familiar uh, with those two. So, yeah. That's a great point. Like you said, it, the advantage of having like the QuickBooks Online is it does integrate with all these other software like Jobber, Synced Up and Element and all these things. So it, it is, it's a nice feature. This kind of dates me, but I remember when my parents first went from paper accounting to a software. We actually hired a local computer store to actually make a software. They had one that was that they were selling, and it was a custom-made accounting software. Then we went to, I think it was called Peachtree, yeah. Peachtree Accounting, yeah. and then we ended up going to QuickBooks at some point. And I will say, we have been on the desktop version for years, and I've been trying to get my parents to convince to go to the online version because it's, it opens up so many more possibilities. My parents keep getting stuck in the mindset, oh, it's available on the cloud. Somebody get my information. I'm like, 
it's all out there anyhow. Like it's like if they want to get in, they're going to get in. Like yeah. to me, that shouldn't be holding you back. So I would recommend if that's something that's holding you back, if you have the desktop version, not wanting to go to the online, it opens up so many more capabilities for your business and to integrate with MailChimp or Synced Up or all these other things that are available. So I would highly encourage you don't get stuck in the thought process of people can access my data. They can get it to if they wanted to, no matter what. So yeah. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a whole, like, as far as cybersecurity, you know, my, my only opinion on that is, is like, if that's the hiccup, really, it's just so important to do what you can control, which everything's moving into the cloud regardless, but are you using a password manager? You know, I, I would just say, if there's one cybersecurity thing you do to protect you and your business, use a password manager and make that one master password complex, have it memorized, don't write it down anywhere. And then just allow it to do its thing. It's got its firewalls. It's got its protections in place for everything else. Makes life easy. So, um, yeah, I guess going back to, I can remember my mom like sitting for hours doing all this stuff by hand. And I remember when she actually transitioned from paper to like the accounting software, she didn't trust the accounting program at the time. She was still doing both at the same time. It was like taking forever. I'm like, holy cow, this is dumb. Like, this is so stupid. Like, but you're not getting the reports. Like you can't go print off a PL statement. You couldn't go print off a balance sheet real quick. They didn't have that capability, you know, when it was all by paper. So I guess my point was the nice thing about having this software, it does give you these financial reports. And I was wondering if that's something you could touch on a little bit today, just what reports could we get out of it and What's the reason behind having these reports? Yeah. So I'm going to get into that. I'm just going to mention real quick that, you know, it's clicks of a button in the accounting software to produce these reports, like clicks of a button. And so if I'm managing a business by the numbers, if June comes to an end, I want reports for June ASAP, you know? And so, yeah, if we're not using an accounting software, it's it's going to take, you know, into, into July. And then if there's a problem in the business, it's continuing. It's happening behind the scenes. It's still there because we haven't been able to produce reports to diagnose it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when we talk about these reports, it is the same thing as an MRI, as an x-ray, as a CT scan to a medical doctor. If you go to the medical doctor and you're like, all right, we're going to work together. You know, we're going to do that once yearly physical and hence, you know, parallel to that to our world is we're going to do this one yearly tax return, but Hey, I'm actually interested. I have this pain, you know, like in my stomach, I eat, Hey, cash is not in the bank account. We're getting loans out. I have this pain doc. What's going on? Doc's going to be like, all right, let's, I'm not a doctor. I, I, maybe an MRI or something, whatever they would run, you know, uh, <laughs> but they would run some tests. And so let's say it's MRI. You would go through the MRI and the doctor would pull it up, you know, in that light and they'd be like, okay, I see this. This is very likely the issue. Here's what I recommend. I recommend you to change your diet in this way. So parallel to that is accountant pulls up financial reports because you as the business owner, you feel there's a problem. You feel there's a problem somewhere. You're like, something's not right. You know, I don't have enough money for myself personally to pay for things, but I'm busy. I got 200 client accounts, right? I have employees, but why is the business not fulfilling its number one purpose of, is it making money? So you go to the accountant and the accountant, instead of doing the MRI, they pull up the financial reports. Really, you just need big three, which you start with the balance sheet. You go to the income statement or which is commonly referred to as profit and loss. And then you have the statement of cash flows. 
which my teacher who taught me everything said the statement of cash flows is out of the three, the most important. I will say that all three are important together to really diagnose a problem. But wow, if we can understand statement of cash flows, oh, we are light years ahead of you know where we need to be. I'll touch on what these reports do. What's the purpose of each of them? If I were to pull up a balance sheet of someone's business, what it tells me, all it tells me is it keeps track of the things and stuff that the business owns, that it has, and whether or not the business owes money to have those things or whether it owns it. The things and stuff is assets. It's the cash in your bank account. This is the vehicles that you own or that you have that the business owns, but you may have a loan for it. You have the vehicles, you have the equipment, et cetera. And then the balance sheet will just tell us, it's like, all right, how much of these things do you actually own? How much equity do you have? You know, the same thing like a mortgage on a house. How much of your house do you own? That's equity. And so the more you pay down your mortgage, the more of that asset, your house that you own. I'll just insert this one little snippet. For anybody who's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they know that like the main premise of that book is live your life by accumulating income producing assets. That is the main premise of that book. You know what's crazy? That is not this, you know, esoteric philosophy that Robert Kiyosaki invented. That is actually the purpose of any asset in business. It is. When we buy a vehicle, the purpose of that vehicle is to generate revenue for the business. So I, w- I won't go deeper into that, but that is a hint at how does the balance sheet relate to the income statement? If the purpose of the vehicles, the payroll hours, the people, because your people are assets as well, the purpose of them is to generate revenue. Your equipment, if the purpose of those three is to generate revenue, we want to measure that. How effective are your assets at generating the most amount of revenue possible? If we're in need of a vehicle, This is informed decision-making. Here's an example. If we're in need of a vehicle for our business and we go, we're ready to buy it, and we have two options. We have truck A that has extended cab, extra capacity, towing like you wouldn't believe, bells and whistles on the inside, lights, you know, whatever, you know. It costs $100,000, let's say, for this truck. It's just, it's this very expensive truck. And then we have the second option that is maybe a smaller truck, But at the end of the day, it does the same job that that $100,000 truck does, but it's used, might have a ding on it, but it does the same job. And maybe we expect a comparable lifespan, right? It's going to last maybe just as long, but it costs $50,000. They both produce the same amount of revenue. Your goal as the business owner is to use the least amount of assets to generate the same amount of revenue. And at that moment, the informed business owner that is knowledgeable about how their decisions affect the financial reports, they will choose the $50,000 truck. This speaks on ego. (laughs) (laughs) It is so important to talk about this. Like there's this book that I read, they call it the pimp factor, P-I-M-P, the pimp factor, where they're like, a person just wants to look like they got it all, you know? But when you play in the sport of business, that is not the game. That is not how you win the game at all. Man, I'm unapologetic about that. I mean, I think it's it, maybe it's easy for me because that's just my mentality. Even on my personal life, I'm just generally like, you know, just don't flash a lot. But 
this is one example of a real life decision that a business owner has to make. Mm -hmm. And how does it affect the balance sheet and relate to your income statement? Income statement. And you'll, you'll hear me mention always income statement. So what's funny is my mentor or my business coach in accounting, when he was teaching me this, he, he goes, uh, he's like, I never called the profit and loss. Like he, he was super technical in accounting. It's like, I never called a profit and a loss. He's like, we can't have a profit and a loss. It's either one or the <laughs> other. That's true. He's like, I don't know why they came up with this name. Like he was like so mad about it. <laughs> we call it the income statement here at Senate Bookkeeping. But what it does, and you know, you know what's crazy about what this decision, this definition I'm going to give is this is the most popular report that's talked about, the PL. But when I tell you this definition, there are words that I'm going to use that I'm like, be careful about what this means. So the definition is the income statement keeps track of whether you've earned enough money for the services you delivered, you've earned enough to cover your expenses. Therefore, it tells you whether your business is theoretically profitable. Profit is a theory. It is a theoretical number. I hope, Scott, that I can find the words to communicate <laughs> what that really means. And we'll, we'll see you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> but understanding that, and we, we won't understand, maybe un, you know, get to the crux of it today, but you know, we're going to reiterate, we're going to continue to push content out, but earned enough money. This does not mean cash entered the bank. It means you delivered a service and based on your estimate, this was the dollar value of that estimate and you finished that job. So that's what gets put on revenue. Did you collect on that invoice? Maybe, maybe not, but regardless if you collected, it shows up on the income statement. That's super important. Step number one, you have all your expenses and I'm going to explain how the expenses produce a theoretical profit. Profit is theory. If the number is positive, after all, you take away all expenses and costs, you have a profit. If it's negative, you have a loss. Profit is a theory. Imagine this scenario. We have workers' comp insurance that based on our agreement with the insurance company, we pay that once a year, $15,000. If we pay this once a year, I'm going to sit there as your management accountant and I'm going to watch your income statement on a month-to-month -month basis. And I'm going to be like, oh, January looked great. Let's say you paid in March. January looks great. Profit. Most people would be like, oh, profit. We did great. February. Profit. Looks great. March. $15,000 bill for a worker's comp. Boom. Loss. And you have these highs and lows all of a sudden in your income statement that become difficult to gauge. Are we earning enough revenue? Are we delivering services for a high enough price to cover our expenses? A management accountant, what they would do is they would take all your annual expenses, insurance is one of them, we can think of others, and we would say, what is the average we would expect to pay for the next year? And what's the monthly amount? So 15,000 divided by 12. I think I did this like in preparation for this podcast <laughs> like the other day. So I'm not like super like a calculator on, on the spot or anything, but I think it's like 1250, 1250 or something like that. The management accountant is now on your income statement going to show you spent $1,250 in workers' comp. Money did not leave the bank for that workers' comp bill. But I'm going to show you that, hey, in order to operate your business, you have to have workers' comp. And on a month-to-month -month basis, that costs you $1,250. So now when we look at your profit, it starts to level out. You don't have these big highs and lows. But now it's not actual cash because we're putting an expense in there 
that didn't actually leave your bank account. That, we're going to cap that right there. (laughs) That is why I say earned and theoretical profit. I agree with that 100% because what I see sometimes people like, oh, I made a profit this month. I can go get a new website or I can go buy a new truck, but they don't realize and forget about like you gave the example, workman's comp that's coming up. I have to pay $15,000 next month. They don't think about that. They look at where they're at just by looking at the profit and loss or, or income statement. I'm going to try to correct myself with that because <laughs> I do like that. But I, it, it, they just look at that one report and that's it. And they think, oh, I got money. I, I'm good. And I'll go buy something. But they forget about those upcoming events. And that's where I, I'm sure you're going to get into why you have to understand and look at all the reports. Yeah, 100%. No, yeah, 100%. So yeah, so that then, so if, if the income statement is only producing a theoretical profit, that's really the purpose of the statement of cash flows then, mm-hmm. is let's deconstruct this balance sheet income statement. And what is the actual cash that is generated or that entered the business? And what's the actual cash or the actual money that was used up from your bank account or left your bank account in business? So now we can see why the statement of cash flows becomes crucial. I mean, you, you think about the statistic of like, actually in, in this in this book, you know, the, the common statistic is like, oh, 80% within five years of businesses fail because of cash flow problems or something like that. There's this statistic in this book or this representation of that in a different way where they said, you know, the economic cycle, like between peak and trough, like when the economy is good to when it becomes bad is like 10 years. So they were like, no, that statistic is important because Sometimes a business is successful and it survives just because the economic times are good. But when it comes down to managing your cash flow, when the economic times turn bad, that's when, boom, businesses go out, you know, 08, 09 happens. Everyone felt it, you know. So statement of cash flows, that gives you those answers. What's it called? Answers. So there are certain questions that these reports should tell you as the business owner. So question number one is, what is the amount of money I should have in my business bank account each month? Financial statements with some work and analyzing them should answer that. Which customers still have to pay me? How much money am I still waiting on being paid for? And if I'm waiting on money to be paid for, outstanding invoices out, which of those customers are more overdue than others? Which ones do I really got to get on their tail about? Beyond that, does my business have too much debt? That's something that can be answered. Am I bringing in enough money to cover my expenses? Is my profit large enough? Huge question. And we'll talk about the purpose of profit. How much of my profit is actual money that I should see in my bank account? How much money did we collect from customers? How much do I need to be saving each month for future expenses or purchases? And how much money did I need to pay for loans, all loan payments? How much money did I take from the business for personal items? And a little sub question to that would be, how much money am I allowed to take from the business to cover my personal expenses to keep the business alive? How much money is left over after all this? And then all in all, did the business gain more cash in this month or lose cash? And then even if it lost cash, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe there's a reason behind it, right? But these are the questions like broken down, deconstructed. These are the questions that financial reports should answer. So we had to break up this episode. Like I said, we continue the conversation next week. So make sure you come back and finish listening to what Sendin has to say. It's an amazing conversation and it's so helpful. It is so packed full of information that you do not want to miss. So we'll see you next week.
That's a wrap on another exciting episode here of the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, thank you for joining us on this journey, and thank you for being a member of our community. Remember our motto, do it dirty means just get started and not be afraid of making mistakes. We honestly believe this is one of the keys to the success in this industry and in life. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment, head over to Apple and leave us a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more value to the show. Until next time, keep doing it dirty and grow your business to new heights.